What happens when black folks chase after the American dream? They're told to sit down. Your property doesn't matter, your wealth is unimportant, and your communities are not worthy. They're gaslit in thinking it's them and not this system of racism and oppression. Oof. Say more. Well, we can get into it more later, but I'm talking specifically about the American dream of home ownership. Hello, listeners. In this week's episode, Nia and I will be discussing home ownership. We'll talk about our experiences of buying while black and how that relates to some disturbing trends in the U.S. Let's listen back in. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, black Americans have a home ownership rate of 47% in the second quarter of 2020. Uh, that, That doesn't seem so bad, though. Um, that's the lowest rate of any racial and ethnic group. White Americans have a home ownership rate of 76%. Hispanic and Latinx folks, 52%. Asian, Native Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islanders are about 62%. What I find most striking, though, is that I read the CNBC article that showed that black and white home ownership gap is larger today than back when it existed in the 1960s when discrimination was perfectly legal and not really hidden from view. I'll put that article in the show notes, though. Yeah, I think that that fact right there is something that trips a lot of people up. This home ownership divide has its roots in discriminatory practices and restrictive covenants that didn't allow black folks to get mortgages or buy houses, um, especially in certain areas, and allowed white folks to enjoy home ownership and suburb living. Exactly. I know that you bought a home recently, so can you tell me a little bit about your decision of, like, where to live, and can you compare those prices to, like, when you rented, and why you decided to live in the area you lived in, you live in? Can you just, like, say more about it? Gosh, it seems like such a story. Um, Yeah, I chose to live where I'm living because I could afford to live there. (laughs) (laughs) Step one. Uh, In all honesty, I was looking for some specific things, Um, which is funny. I live on the south side of Chicago, and before living there, I was north side through and through, and I would come visit you on the south side in Hyde Park, and not that I didn't like it. It was just, like, so far away from everything that I was involved in community-wise. So I would say, yeah, what I wanted in a house, I I wanted... uh, like detached home a a home by itself um why is that well that was kind of honestly related if we're gonna go there to me seeing what my parents had Mm -hmm. and what they didn't have um a big push for me was the fact that our dad never owned his own home Mm -hmm. and um also related to that is we've had um generations before us they always had like a family home like our aunt Maymay and things that family could live in our uncle frank that Mm -hmm. family could live in and i just wanted i wanted that it was probably like a security thing and if nothing else to pass on and i figured uh with how low the price was uh if there's any trouble around it you know people can afford it (laughs) it's a very affordable price um like i know you asked about how does my mortgage compare to my apartment and stuff and 
my apartment's on the north side was about $400 more mm. um, to rent, which is so funny. And I see jokes on social media, like when they ask you if you can afford this mortgage, but you've been paying like <laughs> double that and rent the previous years. Like, why are y'all making it so hard? <laughs> like, clearly I can. <laughs> clearly I've been living before like, this. I'm gonna make this work one way or the other, <laughs> yes. like I've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. So that that kind of went into like why I live where I live and I guess price kind of price point differential. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I think affordability obviously is like key for many people. People that just ain't got it like that and can just drop however much and, they want. And that's me. Right? I ain't got right? it like that. I ain't got it like that either. But we had a conversation a long time ago, um, and I and I wonder if you'd be willing to share for our listeners about how you felt like you had to make a decision between blackness and gayness. Oh. So can you talk a little bit about that decision and how and why you felt it was so dichotomous and why you chose one or the other? Yeah, well, this is our year of vulnerability, absolutely. Yeah, I did choose, like, I had to choose between blackness or gayness. Um, just in general, to me, there's only one neighborhood in the city that that's even possible. Um, What's even possible? Uh, to have like an aspect of queerness met and an aspect of blackness mm. um, without like sacrificing where you don't really have to sacrifice one uh, without the other. Um, from what I hear, um, you know, the city in itself is just very segregated and it has a history of that. Where we come from, I think, is the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was in the choice it seemed like the what what this question and my sacrifice ultimately makes me think of is just kind of the joke about gentrification mm. which is right black folks are living somewhere um and you know they've made this place home uh they've uh, brought it up from nothing because it was oftentimes scraps and mm-hmm. places people don't want to begin with mm-hmm. uh gay folks come in and see the potential, the folks that are willing to, like, yeah, take a risk. There, right? And then it becomes, like, a gayberhood. Mm. Um, and then the white people <laughs> come in. The, 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 the cishet white people come in, which is what's happening with previously known as Boys Town, but now North Halstead. We can put a link in there. Mm. But, um, right, and then it becomes, the gayberhood then becomes cis, mm. hetero, um, and white. Once the gay whites make it safe? Yeah. yeah. And so I felt like, yeah, um, I ultimately chose blackness. Why? Um, I, I think it mostly comes down to affordability. I would honestly not have to choose between queerness and blackness, but... When I think about a lot of my life, so, like socially, it's built around the queer community. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the intersection of queer community, a lot of my friends are queer people of color and they live in the, the queer communities. Um, they're renting, uh, many of them, the, mm. the queer, um, and they're also on the younger side. But, um, And so I feel like I somewhat lost that connect. Well, I didn't lose it. I had to travel further to find it Mm. um i think COVID has played a role in it that i can't really explore 
what I don't know that's in my black neighborhood. I know of one um, queer space mm. that, that exists, but of course it's a it's a bar, mm. <laughs> so not really going there yet. Um, so yeah, and I think I chose blackness one. Um, not, not really knowing what's kind of there yet for me to get involved into and make community connection other than churches. There are plenty of churches <laughs> around. There's like a literal church on every block of a new denomination. Um, but uh, I, I like the very neighborhood feel. Mm. Um, that was something I was looking for, getting uh, involved with family. So I've already done a lot of community stuff and work that I really enjoy, such as like community cleanups and things like mm-hmm. back alleys and stuff. Uh, but I will say I've noticed a stark difference in terms of re the best way I can put it is in a larger category of resources and treatment uh, from systems and institutions. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, since living there, um, for less than a year, our power for our block has been cut off like five times. Whoa. And, and some of those have been planned, but they didn't say anything. Exactly. Right. Mm. And this is during COVID when people are working from home. So <laughs> when we're already black, right, what does it mean that we can't then have access to work? We're showing up late to our virtual <laughs> work now. Right. Um, and you're not telling us. So we can't communicate that prior to folks. And so I, I like called comment how dare you <laughs> this is ridiculous mm-hmm. it never happened when i lived on the north side yeah um kind of thing and uh we have an active group me that i love to take part in mm-hmm. uh, that we share resources and information like vaccines and stuff in it and it's great so i'm definitely glad with the decision mm-hmm. um and i'm looking forward to summer to spend more time with my neighbors and explore mm-hmm. the community more that's awesome this is not a subject for this podcast so we might have to see this yes. for Later, but I just want to ask you um, your feelings about safety with respect to your neighborhood. And I don't mean in the sense of like crime, but safety around your identity. And the reason why I ask that is I don't know if you remember like for your birthday, you wanted this gay flag, yeah. right? Oh, yes. It's like an Ohio flag, Ohio flag, but transpose on top of it. It's the um, LGBTQ plus flag. Yes. So for our listeners, if you can imagine like an Ohio flag with rainbow colors yes, essentially the pennant. and so um i got it for you for your birthday but i have to say i was really nervous for you to fly it like i was like i'm gonna get this for him but i don't really want him to like wave it in his neighborhood because i don't i don't know what the situation is right so like if i would have bought you the black lives matter flag yeah. and you lived in boys town or uptown or wherever you yeah. lived i would be fine with that right but the converse i really struggled with and so i wanted to know if you yeah if you have flown that flag yeah. or how you felt about I, if you got any i think this is such an interesting concept that we will have to discuss later because this also makes me think of like why can I fly Black Lives Matter like in like a white queer neighborhood and white allyship and what that looks like? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, I haven't flown the flag mm-hmm. um, mostly because I haven't bought the other apparatuses. <laughs> the, to... the flagpole, yes, and the and the thing that connects to the. I don't. I'm wait, honestly waiting for mom to help me set that up. <laughs> to me, she's the flag queen. So, um, but I will say when and I think of safety in that way, it's funny. Because I think when I first moved there, I was all like, 
I need a security system, and these are the things that are mm. important. And so I remember the investment I did in that, kind of internalizing some messages that are made mm. about uh, these communities. And I'm not going to say I'm glad I didn't opt for this more expensive one, <laughs> because, uh, like, it's, I'm just not... Uh, there's been so many times I'm just... I don't want to... Never mind. I was going to say I left the door unlocked. I don't want anyone coming. But not not intentionally, but I was just like, oh, the door was open all day <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, but Lord. I'm not really worried about crime. And I had a friend. You, you can sign up for things like Citizen. And I have a ring that tells you crime that happens around the area. Mm. And he first said, you know, turn that off. You'll get whatever. You'll get so paranoid. Mm. And I kept it on. And I don't get paranoid. I'm just like, there is... There's, so I think I think I, my first fear was safety in that way, and that's come to be for me like less of a thing. Yeah. Um, and when I think of safety and my queer identity, though I'm not flying a flag, I promised myself after leaving. I think pretty much after coming out on TV and my experiences in undergrad, that I would never like hide myself again. Mm-hmm. Or I, I think a better way of doing that because I think in ways. I still do, but I will never, like, uh, I will always challenge myself to be who I am in all spaces. Mm. And so one thing I've done recently, as you see, is paint my nails. Yeah, why are our nails the same? I know, right? (laughs) Girl, I need some remover. (laughs) Um, And I remember I I went to the gym and I was like, I don't care if anyone says anything kind of thing. And I think I got a couple looks. That's whatever. But then a day, I have been recycling some gym clothes. Like, if it doesn't get too whatever, I'll wear it another day. I know. But it's true. (laughs) I'm trying to save on this water bill, girl. Um, It was, I had worked out in the north side, and I wore a shirt that said, um, it's a part of a rec league I used to play in Mm -hmm. called Gaze on the Move with all these rainbows. Mm -hmm. And I had thought twice, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear this set. I was going to work out in my neighborhood. Maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't wear this. I was like, no, forget that. I will also say this was what I like to call Montero Monday. The um, uh, the Monday after Lil Nas X released his video, Call Me By Your Name. I know mm-hmm. you're not on the re- <laughs> the inter. I mean, I've seen the commercial. So, so yeah. Um, and I liked, I liked what I saw so far. And so I, w- I was wearing the shirt and things. And, and I heard a little, like, people having conversations, which they always do. To me, like, uh, the gyms in my neighborhood are kind of like a, a barbershop. They'll, like, have conversations about whatever. And I just felt good and wearing that and that, like, I'm not worried about violence. Like, I, I, I guess I'm always, as a queer person, worried about bodily violence against me. Mm-hmm. But it's something I'm willing to, as I said, die for. There are less valiant ways to die than yes. for being yourself. Mm. Anyway. Well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. So I want to, like, just take us back to the home ownership picture um and what this added layer of stress brings for folks of color Mm. um because i think home ownership in general can be stressful and as you mentioned like when you're going through the process of buying a home and they want a drop of blood from your firstborn and they want you to Mm -hmm. stand on the roof and do all these things to own a home it's a lot but um black people have and other folks of color have you know um other challenges i mean i remember growing up and mom told me about how every time when she needed to sell the house, she would take down every personal artifact. So any pictures of black people, of us, of artists, of any depiction of being black, because she felt 
like um, if they knew the potential buyers knew that we were a family of color, the house wouldn't sell for as much money. And that's something I've heard forever and apparently is passed down in other black families with homes. And I didn't realize that. Um, well, but yeah, but I have also heard you've been irritated with another part of discrimination in home ownership. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking about the selling of homes, but really what's frustrated me more recently is um, if you're trying to refinance. So here's the thing. Like, if you beat the odds and you get to call a place your own as a black person, if you start to refinance your home, then the saga goes on and on and on. Now, this was a piece of the story that I was unfamiliar with, that um, discrimination and the subjective nature of home appraisals is a big one. Wait, I'm I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> you better take advantage um, of these low, um, low interest um, loans. Um, uh, D-moi, D-moi. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more about this. So, you know, I'm privileged. I feel like I'm privileged enough to have my own home. And around the beginning of the pandemic, when interest rates were low, my husband and I considered refinancing. So we got all of our documents in order and I had thoroughly researched the housing um, comps or sales in our area. This was right before Illinois went into lockdown. So we welcomed the appraiser into our home with mask, of course, socially distant, and showed him all the features of the house and later got a back an appraisal value that was insanely low, like mm. almost lower than when we initially bought the house. Oh, and wow. um, that is not typical for the neighborhood we live in. So I called Fowl. I told the bank that I smelled discrimination and sent them the comps of other homes that had recently sold in our neighborhood. Specifically, there was one like two houses down on my street, my exact street, and my house was bigger than that house. Hmm. So I, I told the bank that... Um, you know, this house down the street appraised for, for much higher that are sold for much higher than what he appraises on. So the bank escalated, but how they escalated it was like, oh, well, what we do is we go back to the initial appraisal company and we say, hey, we need to you to investigate this and see um, if this was done correctly. And I'm like, well, why would you send it back to the initial party mm. who did the wrong? Like, mm -hmm. should it be a different appraisal company or a third party or whatever? And they said, no, it goes back to the original one. So anyway, of course, the company was like, it's fine. It's fine. The appraiser did a great job. These are in line with what the um, the value is. And the reason why yours is so low is because your house is made of wood, not of brick. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, of course, I was pissed. I was planning to make some renovations and do things with the money from the refinance and do a cash out. Anyway, that couldn't happen. Fast forward to six months post-appraisal. We're doing a refinance again because the interest rates dropped even lower. Again, get on your refinance game if you can, <laughs> y'all. Um, and so we were getting ready to have another appraisal done. And I was really stressed about it because I was like, oh, the first appraisal was so low. So I started to ask my friend, who's an Asian American woman, to come and sit into the house. It was too hard for her to organize it. But um, I, I got a little more comfortable because when I opened the door for the appraisal, it was a black man. And I was like, okay. This can go one of two ways, right? Like either he's going to be on side and be like, yes, we're going to appraise it for what, it want, what we should. Or he's going to be like, nah, nah, you know, not go my way and try to be super, super hard. So I wasn't sure. So anyway, this appraisal came back 70,000 higher mm. than the first appraisal six months ago. We have made no changes. We haven't done anything new to the house. Nothing. Mm. 70,000 in six months. Mm. 
So I went back to the original bank and told them that about how my home had magically <laughs> appreciated for 70000 more. And I was calling foul, and I thought that they should do something. Anyway, I got a letter back from that bank, and it was like, we take these discrimination matters seriously, and we've looked into it, and there's nothing wrong here. So they sent me a letter in writing that was like, everything was fine. And so that's where we are right now. So I'm... I'm happy that my appraisal is more in line with where it should be, but I'm pissed about the system and pissed that people have to go through this. Yeah. And I'm pissed about the extra money you have to spend for appraisal that ain't free. I know. They cost a lot of money, and then you get this piece of crap back that you were paying for your discrimination. You're like, yes, please, I'd like to order a side of discrimination. Oh, my gosh. That, to me, that really sticks with me, like this idea um, that you are... Right. You essentially are paying you paid someone to discriminate. And when, you know, you use the resources that are available to you, calling foul mm -hmm. complaints, um, still, it seems like nothing was done. Is, is that how you feel? Like, what's your reaction from hearing the bank saying yeah. like, nothing? They saw I feel no like problem. they really didn't care. Mm. I, I felt like um, so I was reading something that said initially, like when banks are um, like when you're trying to buy a house, they want it to be the highest appraisal because then you're indebted to the loan to them for mm. that highest mm. amount. But for a refinance, they don't want it to be the highest. Mm. They don't They don't want you to be necessarily to get top dollar for that because generally you're refinancing and you're um, getting a lower interest rate or for less time or you're getting a cash out. So the more, the higher your appraisal is, the more, you know, you win and they necessarily don't win. Mm. And so I wasn't particularly surprised, but I was surprised there wasn't another option. Like we had to go back to the appraisal company. Mm. And I've subsequently found out that, and we we're going to get into this later, but I'm also just saying like I subsequently found out in doing, you know, this podcast that like actually you can make a um, a larger complaint to HUD, so mm. the Department of Housing and Urban Development, I think that's what HUD stands for, but it's rare. Like either people don't know about it, I know I certainly didn't know about it, or people, it's happening so often that people don't realize it and don't make the, rec the, um, the complaint. So like in 2019, I think there were three complaints mm. across the country. I mean, that's wild. And then this it's year three. was six. So it's oh doubled gosh. because of, you know, whatever. But three across the country, you know it's happening more than that. But I didn't even know that was an option. Like, you could call foul. Right. I don't know what the what the um, the outcomes are after they make right. a complaint, but that is an option, apparently. Do you think you'll go to HUD? Um, I, I certainly, certainly thought about it, especially after, like, reading more. Um, this has been, like, such a hot topic in the news. Mm. Um, in New York Times articles, I, you know, I was sad about this, but I, and unsurprised, but I wasn't alone. The New York Times wrote about Bina and Alex Wharton. They got, um, they agreed that their value was off when they did their appraisal. Um, so when they came, when they asked for a redo, they had their white grandparents <laughs> come put their pictures up yeah. and took their own family photos off the, the manual because I think this is a biracial couple. Hmm. And so the kids and the mom, I think, left, and only um, the husband, who's white, stayed at home. And more, um, when they did the appraisal from this other company, it increased the value more than 40%. So wow. 
you know, it's just crazy because the Fair Housing Act of 1968, homeowners are actually bound to not discriminate based on race, religion, national origin, or gender. And they actually can face prison time if they're found to produce discriminatory appraisals. Um, but what's, So that's interesting that it's like kicked back, right, to the original company. Hmm. They have the most to lose. Like if you're an appraiser, you don't want to be going to jail or going to prison, right? right. And so the, what incentive is there to actually do diligence and like investigate these, hmm. you know, if you're, if you're going to face prison time? Hmm. And I think um, for at least in my experience, I don't know if you remember mom saying to take stuff off the... Um, take pictures off the off the mantle and you know try to hide the fact that you're a black family but it's passed down it's common knowledge that you're supposed to take your pictures down when you're selling your house um, I didn't know that we had to worry about this in an appraisal like we already have the house it's mine I didn't realize it but um, it's happening over and over and over again yeah it sounds like as you're talking about with um, company's own self-interest being in play like the game is rigged mm-hmm. and that game has been rigged since beginning of time basically for black folks right mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately home ownership is tied to wealth and the lack of home ownership has kept black folks from being able to enjoy and accumulate wealth and when home ownership was encouraged predatory lending practices like subprime lending what happened during the Great Recession disproportionately impacted black folks. Mm-hmm. This contributes, of course, to the fact that the racial wealth gap hasn't only continued, but doubled, girl, oh doubled <laughs> since 1980, and is the increasing racial inequality in home values. Median wealth of a white household is 20 times greater than the median wealth of black households. This also contributes to better funded public goods and services because of, of course, property taxes. Yeah. I mean, you and I were just talking about this like a few hours ago, which was like, you know, based on your level of education and your, you know, your socioeconomic status, a black family is living in a less well-resourced community than a white family of their soul, of their like equal like stature, if Mm. you will. So even if you feel like you live in a nice neighborhood and you're black, your white counterparts of the same kind of milieu are living in an even better resource community, mm. which is just wild. I found some research that I'd like to share. Um, researchers Howell and Cover Glenn examined examine single-family tax appraised home in Harris County, which is Houston. What's up, H-Town? Mm-hmm. Uh, to examine the influence of neighborhood racial composition on home values independent of characteristics and qualities like housing stock, SES, and amenities. And what they found that was that higher proportions of black and Hispanic residents correspond with lower mean housing values. Mm. So higher concentration of black folks or Latinx and Hispanic folks living in an area correlate to lower home values. Mm. And that's wild because they looked at Homes of equal size, mm-hmm. of equal, you know. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, okay, the black folks have these small houses and, of course, they're worth less. They actually took away some of those characteristics. So they predicted that a home of an average size and quality in Houston in a white neighborhood would be worth $342,000, while a comparable home would be worth 135000 in a Hispanic neighborhood and 96000 in a black neighborhood. 
So said a little bit differently, when you hold home size and quality constant, houses in white neighborhoods are worth two and a half times more than mm. houses in Hispanic neighborhoods and 3.7 times, so almost four times more than those in black neighborhoods. That is ridiculous. This is why I keep on getting these Redfin updates that are like, this is how much your house is worth and this this astronomical number. And I'm like, how are you getting that? <laughs> because it can't be, but they must be saying like how many bedrooms or something I have and comparing it to what things just go for, not knowing that I live in a black, black neighborhood. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. But like, how do you think we should fix this? Like. We, I, I mean, we got to fix racism in some some extent, but is there any other hope? Like, what do you think? Um, I sure as hell hope so. As as a new homeowner, um, <laughs> can you? Do you have any ideas? Well, I didn't have any unique or original ideas. Okay. What I found is people are talking about this idea of virtual appraising. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, a lot of this came about because of Corona, mm-hmm. right? So people that were buying new houses had the ability to do virtual appraisals while refinance folks like Mm. me had to have um, appraisals in person. But if you take away the layer of the race and ethnicity of somebody and you're literally just looking at the house through a virtual appraisal, that potentially could help. And then I saw seen other things that said we need to change how appraisals are practices are happening, like how you select comps, like how you select comparable homes mm. is biased because it's up to the, the, the appraiser to pick the best homes. Mm-hmm. And for many black and brown folks, they might be picking comps that are not actually on par with the person's actual house. They may be mm. using the lowest comps, which I think is what happened in my case. Because all the other houses that I pulled, I was like, why didn't he pull all of the, the house on my street? Why wasn't mm. that a comp? It just sold. Um, probably because he thought it went too high. I don't mm-hmm. know. They also have called for better appraisal um, training. And then we talked about a little earlier about easier and more transparent ways to call a foul when a foul is happening. Because right now there's very limited people reporting to HUD. I don't even know how. I mean, I guess I could Google, but I I wouldn't even know that that was an option Mm -hmm. unless I was doing the research for this podcast. Yeah. I think what comes up for me when you you talked about like you not knowing and and kind of the the miss beyond and I think luckily right we come from a place of somewhat privilege where we had parents who were homeowners that we even knew an idea of to hide the pictures and things where yeah. new black and brown and people of color who are becoming homeowners may not know that Absolutely. and so when I think about like what is needed um, I think about some uh, recent stuff that's going on within especially Biden's campaign. Uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer talked about how Biden's campaign pledged to create national standards for home appraisals as part of an effort to eliminate racial discrimination in the real estate industry and lift minority home ownership rates. Um, it also goes on to say that one week into Biden's presidency, he signed an executive order directing federal housing agencies to work to eliminate racial bias and other forms of discrimination in all stages of the home buying and renting and to lift barriers that restrict housing and neighborhood choice. Mm. Well, that's promising. I guess we can see how it how it actually translates into everyday life. Um, I don't know. Nev, like, what do you think you're going to do if you need to refinance? I feel like I'm hearing that song, like, who are you going to call? 
Well, you need to refine it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think what comes up for me, um, clearly, Colin, you're your guy, your your person, uh, <laughs> someone of color, but um, we'll see. Well, I know we just like scratch the surface here. So if folks want to learn more, I'm, we're going to put some articles and books and stuff in the show notes and and go from there. Do you have anything else? I don't. I just want our listeners to stay bold. Stay bold. And take those pictures off the mantle if you're trying to refinance. Oh. <laughs> what have been some of the biggest surprises for you? surprising choices that you felt like you had to make that you didn't necessarily anticipate mm, we were just talking about this earlier but do I stay in my home or do I give my kid this education 